On this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional, we are finally going to be discussing July's book of the month. That would be Whereabouts by Jhumpa Lahiri. It's never too late to talk about a good book. So I know it was worth the wait. Here we go. Hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I'm Michelle, and I'm here today with Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne. (laughs) Hey, Michelle. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm just happy that we are finally going to be doing a book club episode today. Yeah, we were running a little behind because of me, but I'm ready and willing Yeah, again, I wasn't going to throw you under the bus there, but you're the reason we were delayed. But, you know, for very good reason. Life got crazy, and sometimes we have to handle the immediate and do the fun stuff or extra stuff later. So I get it. Well, should we just jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Okay, Suzanne. Let's remind our listeners what the book was for the month of July. Okay, and I'll give the title and you say the author's name because I still can't pronounce her name. The book title was Whereabouts. And the author of this book was Jhumpa Lahiri. And I do believe that's how you say it because I listened to the audio version of this book and this is how the narrator said the name. Yes, and I think you're absolutely right. Yes. Finally, someone's saying I'm right. That doesn't happen very often in my life. So I will take that as a win. So Suzanne, why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about the book? I'm going to start by saying I loved, loved, loved this book. I loved how it was written. I felt like I was reading her daily journal in her mind, (laughs) because it's written by a woman who basically is parts of her day out of her everyday life, and just writing down her thoughts about that moment in time. And from the very first page, I thought, she's writing exactly how my mind thinks. She's writing how my mind works when I'm in any situation, where my thoughts go, how I process what's going on around me. So I related to her writing very much. And I loved it. And I loved the book also. And it was very relatable. She just picked random places Mm -hmm. during the course of a year. And she would write about the experience. And it was a bird's eye view into her processing, her how mm-hmm. she thinks, how she looks at the world, how she looks at herself. This book was different mm-hmm. than any other book I've ever read or listened to before. And I know I'm not as an accomplished reader as you are, but did you find that also? Yes, I did, 100%. Because I really felt like I was reading her thoughts, what exactly what was going on in her mind any given random moment. And I do think that it progressed. At first, when I first started reading the book, it's like, okay, is there a progression here? 
is this going somewhere or am I just reading her continuing thoughts about specific moments? I did by the end think that there was a progression where a lot of what she was thinking, processing, related back to some of the relationships she had with her parents and loosely. But I think that there was some sort of um, progression in the in the book. There was definitely progression as it built the character. I will say I found it very interesting. Again, we're inside her mind. Where are mm-hmm. the ink coming out in her journal, basically? Mm-hmm. I found it very interesting that throughout the whole book, there wasn't a proper name given. There wasn't... Nope an exact location given. Like we don't even know at the end of the book after spending however many pages with her, what her first name is. We don't really know exactly what city she's in. We know it's probably in Europe somewhere and can narrow it down to there, but it's never given. And I found that fascinating. How can you write a whole book and not even give the main character's name Or anybody else's name, like all the supporting people or the people she came across, none of Mm -hmm. them identified by name. Well, and if I remember right, and darn it, you know, I read this on my iPad and I have a hard copy of the book. And this morning I was searching for my hard copy because it's like at one point towards the end of the book, it may have even been like the last chapter of the book. She talks about this could be anyone, any place, any time. And I think the only reason we think it probably happened in Europe was because we knew it was translated from Italian. Because when I read through it, there was very little to identify it differently than if you were somewhere in the United States or or anywhere in the world, really. Right. The reason I said probably in Italy somewhere is like, they talked about the terrazza or, you know, they would throw out little names like that that weren't translated. And I don't know if that was on purpose or just to give you the feel of being overseas, but there were a few things like, what do you call a cafeteria there? Right. Just different names. The piazza, like the, there, there were just different names like that thrown in there. Right. I agree with that, but I didn't even take, read that much into it. And I really love that she used her surroundings as almost supporting characters of the story. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you're looking at the story or reading the story is it's broken into little chapters or basically a day in the life. And the chapters have names such as at the Trattoria. Right. At the supermarket. Yes, in the waiting room, on the couch, things like that, things that you do in your Mm -hmm. everyday life. So she takes an experience and there's something about that experience that she can zero in on, hone in on, and Mm -hmm. fill it with so much description and tie it back to her own life and her own emotions and where she is in that moment that you really do, as you said, get a really good idea of who this person is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> right now I'm, I'm scanning my phone trying to find the page that I wanted to refer to. But um, I want to give an example too. 
um, one of the chapters when, when it's like, okay, she's literally reading my mind, you know, her thoughts are my thoughts. And I was just so struck by it. And the example I want to just, I'm going to read just a short excerpt, but I think the chapter or the vignette, because I was thinking of them as vignettes, not so much chapters, because it's literally one or two pages long. Well, aren't which, you fancy? Yeah, which I love that about this book, too. It's like, okay, well, I can read one page and say I read a chapter <laughs> and then turn the page and I'm in a new chapter. But the chapter I'm referring to is when they were in the spa. And this just struck me because I've spent so much time since my mom's been in this, has moved into this retirement community. I've spent so much of my time being surrounded by people much older than me. And when I was much younger, I saw what I saw. You know, I saw old people. I saw gray hair, wrinkly skin, hunched backs, but never really took the time to see them or their history or who they were when they were my age. And she says this, she said, she's talking about a woman who, she said, it's hard to imagine her body when it was young. Over the years, it's lost its shape. She's hunched over, she's covered with moles. She gets dressed, she combs her hair, and she puts on a few gold rings, including her wedding band. In this humid, rusty place where women congregate naked and wet, where they show each other the scars beside their, beside their breasts and their bellies, the bruises on their thighs. And they all complain about husbands, children, aging parents. They confess things without feeling guilty. Um, it occurs to me as I take in their losses, their tragedies, that these lives reek of grief and heartache. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it's so poetic. Think about, as you said, that is something you could be thinking in the moment, but walking into a spa and choosing to focus your attention in that moment on that person and to bring in so much detail and to recognize the pain and the journey and mm -hmm. bringing it all together and then turning it around to where you're at in life too. Right. Well, and thinking about how she's presenting a moment in time, um, but what her mind is doing is processing that person that she's interacting with and she's processing what life that person must have, must have had. You know, what caused those scars? What caused that pain? What caused the gray hair and the wrinkles? Was it just aging in general, which a lot of times it is, or what in, in that person's life created who she, how she looks today? And when someone meets her now, they're not seeing her 50 years ago. They're seeing her today. They know nothing about her 50 years ago. I don't know. It's just one of those brilliant way of looking at life. And I also wrote an ex excerpt, did I say mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. That spoke to me and it was towards the end of the book and it was right after she went to visit her mom. So mm -hmm. again, we spent a year with this lady and by this time in the book, because it's getting close to the end, we can tell you she's a female. She's in her forties, she lives in a big city. She's familiar with her surroundings. She's a teacher, but she doesn't love her job. She doesn't really want to connect with coworkers. She kind of has an issue with attachment to other people mm -hmm. in life. 
She's a little ambivalent, has walls up, reads people. She's observant, doesn't have a close relationship with her mom. Her dad has passed away. And then I wrote the notes, is she happy? Is she sad? Is she depressed? So all these things are coming through during this book. And mm -hmm. really a very strong message in there is the relationship and processing that with her mom and then also her dad. Right. So what I quoted was she had gone to see her mom for the last time because she's now decided to leave the city and she's following a new job path or taking a sabbatical or something like that. But she's gone to see her mom. She's now at the station and she's thinking about this visit. And here's what she said. My mother by now clings to life like a yellowing piece of scotch tape in a scrapbook. It can detach at any moment and yet still does the job. All you need to do is turn the page to unstick it so that it leaves a pale rectangular stain behind. And I don't know why that spoke to me so much, but it really is just taking this event and seeing an aging parent and knowing that they're there, but it's kind of like they're clinging. And as you said earlier, they have memories too. They have things that they hold on to. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. Yeah. It spoke the same chapter about her mother spoke to me too, because and darn it, I hope I took a screenshot of that one too in the same way. Right. And when I think about the story and where it started, you just see somebody going through, again, we said it, their everyday life, bringing in people through words, but not by names. But you see a transformation of character too. And can we talk a little bit about that? Do you know what I'm speaking of? Help me out. No, she just really went from being like, kind of really aloof, kind of just this is my day-to-day -day life, to something happening somewhere and then all of a sudden deciding to make a change. I don't know if I slept through that part of the audiobook, <laughs> but it really did seem like life was going in one direction and she was just comfortable being, but then something changed. There was an incident in which then she decided to move and change her surroundings, everything familiar to her. But she doesn't let her audience, she doesn't let her readers in on that change. What, what, what pushed her to make that change? I also, though, because when I started reading these vignettes, I, I read them, um, assuming that she was very lonely and it was just her and she didn't have a lot of friends. But then there were stories or moments in time where it's like, okay, well, she's actually a very busy, active woman. She's just not maybe enjoying what's keeping her busy and what's keeping her active. And then there were other times where it's like, well, no, she's actually very content in her life. And she's just giving us observations of what's going on in that moment in time. So... I don't know if she evolved or I evolved as her reader. You know, a great book is really one that leaves you like asking questions like that. I don't know how better to put it. It just leaves mm -hmm. you as the one going, did this book change me or is she just changing as it goes? That's a really great observation, Suzanne. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just how I felt when I read it. It's just... I found the excerpt from 
the chapter about when she's after mothers. And okay. again, I relate back to experiences with my mother, because as you know, we've talked about before, recently, we went through the exercise of cleaning out my mom's house because she's moved to Arizona now. And so this was very personal for me. And it, it struck a chord. She said, every move betrays you. It always cheats you somehow. I'm looking for certain things that brooch that belonged to my mother. It's nothing valuable, but it meant something to me. Then there's an old address book. Even though I don't need it anymore, I still enjoy thumbing through it now and then. I've saved ticket stubs, receipts, a photograph of your father when he was young. What a handsome fellow he was. There are days I comb through the whole house hoping to find those scenes in some drawer somewhere, or maybe at the bottom of a box in my closet. And that just struck me because I think about that in my world too. So much of what I had is meaningless to anyone else. But to me, there's pure joy in the things I keep. And someday when my children are going through my things, are they going to recognize the joy that these things brought me? And how do I preserve that joy for my children and my grandchildren? Because this is what I'm hearing this mother say to her daughter is, you know, I had a brooch that my mother gave me, but I loved and I loved it. It was worth nothing to anyone, but it was everything to me. And that's why we say things. That's why we hang on to things. And, but the next, the next generation that comes along isn't going to understand what was so valuable about that ticket stub. But what was so valuable about it is it brought me great joy. It's very interesting. I'm just trying to find the right words to follow up on what you said because you hit it. You nailed it again. And I'm just along for the ride, but it really was. Yeah, just bringing in those things that maybe we don't think about in our day-to-day lives and we don't put a voice to because we're not there yet, but it's something that we should remember. It's something that moving forward, we should take with us and Mm -hmm. know that times change and the world changes around us and what was young becomes old and what was new becomes old, I guess. I don't know why old is a keyword, but it just seems to right. me right now. Right. Well, and it, it makes me, it inspires me, it motivates me to go through the things in my house that I'm, that I'm clinging to, that I love. And it's like, but what I need to do is I need to take it one step further and I need to write down in a journal somehow, this is what this meant to me. And this is why. And keep this because you know that this is something that brought me great joy and at that point in my life. You got to get on it. There's no time like the present to make those things known. And I know. Yeah, life changes so quickly. I really did love everything about this book. And I want to go back to no proper names, no proper locations. Mm-hmm no other characters, no real conversations. I mean, she'll recall a conversation, but it's not like in real time. This really felt like 
the person could be anyone, anywhere. It felt universal. Exactly. It felt just, I don't even know the right word. It just felt like it could be anybody. Right. Well, and I think this might even be the last chapter. I'm not 100% sure. But here's the excerpt that I was referring to earlier that goes right back to what you, you're just saying. Because when it is all said and done, the setting doesn't matter. The space, the walls, the light. It makes no difference whether I'm under a clear blue sky or caught in the rain. I could be riding a train or traveling by car or flying in a plane. I've never stayed still. I've always been moving. That's all I've ever been doing. And I don't know. It it just speaks to me because I think that's just it. She she's talking about everyone. She's talking about anyone. She we're we're hearing her thoughts, but but I bet anyone who reads this book can can relate to what she's saying. Could could put because I could be saying I wrote this book if I had the the talent to write like she wrote. This could be me. I could be telling you. You could be reading my journal. Exactly. In the last couple chapters, too, I mean, the whole book kind of spoke to that, but the last couple chapters, in one of the chapters, which is called Up Ahead, she sees a girl, or actually, mm -hmm. she doesn't know the if it's a girl. She doesn't know the age of the woman. She's not close enough to make out age, but they are dressed exactly alike. Mm -hmm. And she follows her, and as she follows her, she's kind of saying, you know, I wonder what other people are saying, seeing two of us who look alike, but not walking together. And where is she going? What does she have to do? Does she see the city the same way I see it? And right. I really, in that moment, felt like it was a call to recognizing the fact that we're only here for a little while. And while we have our experiences, you know, always be aware that other people are having their experiences too. And how are they taking it in? How are they processing it? And when I'm gone, she's still going to be here doing that. And I thought that was, it spoke a lot to me. Yeah, it, it did to me too. And I know exactly the the excerpt that you're talking about. And I felt the same way. It's like, you sum that up beautifully. But that's exactly what she's trying to portray. And you feel it. You don't just feel do. it on like the words are coming in and you're taking them in. Like they're speaking to your soul. Like they're poking on yeah. your own triggers and those feelings and emotions that you carry. Yeah. So I found that really, really incredible. And then in the last chapter, which was called On the Train, she's sitting there in the comfort of her train car. And as she's sitting there, it's quiet. And all of a sudden, this group of people come in and they're lively and they're loud and they're yeah. eating and they're laughing and they're crying and they're having this experience and she's wondering what's going on. And they get off the train before she does and she's like, and then they're all gone as if they'd never been there before, not even a crumb right. left of the food that they offered me. And I thought, isn't that true? Like we're only here for a short time and when we're gone, does anyone ever even know we were here? And right. I just <laughs> I know I, it is. It's moving. It's it's poetic. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, and I was just going to as we, as we wrap up our summary of this book, I have already purchased 
um, Interpreter of Maladies, which is the book she won the Pulitzer Prize for. And I can see after reading this book how she won a Pulitzer Prize. I mean, she is such an incredible writer. Huh, that has me wondering if that could be a future book of the um, month. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do want to say when I read that last chapter on the train that I didn't realize it was the last chapter. Again, I had the audio version and I still had like seven minutes left. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what happens next? Where does she end up? And I really wanted a little bit more. But then again, mm-hmm. I had no reason to expect anymore. It kind of ended how it started and it right. was a perfect ending, but I still was kind of curious. I know. And that's what a good book should do. It should it should keep you wanting more. And I think Jhumpa Lahiri did a wonderful job in oh. creating that magic in this book. She yeah. It was a very good book. Yep. Whereabouts. It was excellent. And I think out of, in my repertoire of reading, which, you know, I, I have, I'm a big reader. I mean, this is going to be in my top 10. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive because you have read a lot of books. Yeah. It's just a great book. Okay. Well, it was late. The book club portion was late, but well worth it, I think. So. Oh, I think so too. Let's move on and we will talk briefly about what we'll be reading in August and any closing up notes. Sounds good. Okay, so we're back and we just wrapped up book club for July. So that means we're looking forward to book club in August. I did Mm -hmm. announce the book we were going to be reading much to Suzanne's, I don't even know what to say. Dismay. Dismay or loud grunt or whatever you want to call that. But the book that I chose is called The Last Thing He Told Me. It's by Laura Dave. And I'm happy to say I've already finished this book. It Um. was easy to read, easy to follow. It started in Northern California and ended in Austin, Texas. And well, it actually ended in, well, I'm not going to tell you how it ended because you have to read it and find out. But Northern California and Austin, Texas were two of the main locales. And yeah, it flowed for me. I really, really like this book. And I'm excited to talk about it in a couple of weeks. I am too. I have not started the book, however. Um, in fact, I'm on Amazon right now buying it so so that I get it. And because when you texted me and said you finished the book, it's like, oh, my God, I haven't even gotten the book yet. And I didn't intend to finish it that quickly. Again, I listened to the audio version, but I couldn't stop. Like once it started, I wanted to hear what happened next. It just really was entertaining. It had a good flow. I mean... It's probably a predictable book, but not really. Actually, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't expecting how it all played out. So that's all I'm going to say about that. So is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners this week before we wrap up? Not at this point. Nope. How about you? Well, I'm just going to say if people can hear, Suzanne is in the middle of a remodel. Oh, oh, can you hear the noise in the background? 
I can. I'm hoping and I'm going to ask the editors to scrub it out the best they can. But if you do hear it, know that life goes on and we're all about it. That means your project's moving forward. Yes. And frankly, it's funny that you can hear it because I have tuned it out. I've become so accustomed to it. I can't even hear it unless you point it out to me. Anyhow, if you hear that, hey, we're living our best life and making progress moving forward. And with all that shared, I think the only thing we have left to do is to give you something to sip on. And I feel like I have the perfect one for this week's episode. So here we go. When reading, we don't fall in love with the character's appearance. We fall in love with their words, their thoughts, and their hearts. We fall in love with their souls. It is an unknown. I know. I love it too. It is an unknown author, but I love that quote. Yeah, that's perfect for today. Absolutely. So until next week, everybody, cheers. Cheers.